Welcome. You're listening to Behind the Business Podcast. Do you ever wonder what really happens behind a business? Well, in this podcast, we explore the trials and tribulations of starting a business and being an entrepreneur. I'm your host, Jason Manorinter. And I'm your co-host, David Liu. And this is Behind the Business. What's up, guys? Welcome to episode 20. I can't believe it's 20, man. <laughs> like, that's a lot of episodes, I feel, for, for podcasts. Today we got um, Peter Lai. Yes, sir. Thank you so much for having me, guys. No worries, man. Thanks for coming on. Uh, <laughs> I know it's been a while. We were we've been talking for a while to get you on, right? So, well, hey, uh, you know, I love what you guys do. Admire you guys from afar, and uh, you know, I really wanted to be involved and be able to say that I was one of the first fifty guests on your guys' podcast <laughs> before you guys make it big. So. <laughs> So yeah, here's me sneaking my way in and being able to say, I knew those guys before they were famous. <laughs> Hopefully. Your company name is Precision Auto. Films. Films. Correct, yeah. Wait, Precision Auto Films. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. Checks in the mail, David. <laughs> and uh, you specifically work with car detailing. Yeah, absolutely. So what I try to say is like, uh, we're a detail studio. So... You know, we try to, we cater to that 10% where those people are going to, they have a little bit higher expectations. Um, they want a little bit more in-depth work, but at the same time, they appreciate that kind of work. Um, with that being said, though, whether you come in with a 1990 Honda Civic or a 2020 Ferrari, my goal is to treat you the same and to make that Honda Civic owner feel like they own a Ferrari. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm I'm big on when people say, oh, I just have a, and that breaks my heart because the thing is you should have pride of ownership. Mm-hmm. My job is to make you feel uh, like you're in uh, whatever dream car you have, right? Like Ferrari or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. good. That's a good concept. Mm-hmm. Do you deal with more higher end cars or pretty much across the board, uh, any type of cars? I would definitely say across the board more so. Mm-hmm. Um, we have had a couple. We've definitely had supercars come in. Um, I wouldn't say any hypercars mm-hmm. uh, in the sense of like McLaren or really high end Ferrari, but we have had a California come in. Mm-hmm. Um, no Lamborghinis yet. Mm-hmm. Um, had a couple R eights, mm-hmm. uh, a Bentley Flying Spur, which is a sedan, but still a very cool car to have inside the shop. Mm-hmm. But yeah, no, I would definitely say. of our clientele is, you know, BMW, Mercedes, um, Acura, Infiniti. We definitely do still see a lot of uh, Ford trucks just because it is Calgary and that's the, that's the climate. Yeah, but a lot of SUVs for sure. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Do you know I used to detail cars too? In your past life? Yeah. Where where was that? (laughs) Dude, we actually had a, a, a shop in Airdrie called Auto Spa. So it was me, my brother and my neighbor actually. (laughs) And, How long uh, ago was it? That was, uh, oh shoot. Like right after high school. Yeah, that was like literally my one of my first business ventures I got into. And um, never do that again. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's one of those things that it's, uh, you know, easier said than done on the outside looking in. You're like, oh, you know, that's pretty straightforward. But when you actually get into oh, it. Oh, dude. It's, it's an, yeah. It's, it's, it's hard work, yeah. right? So, but that's how I keep my uh, wonderful physique. So that's funny. I used to detail cars too. At yeah. Honda, Honda West. Yeah. Okay, you know, I, I'm starting to remember this conversation now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, Jason, was your detail shop, did you have that then the cleaning company or? No, the, the, the first was the cleaning, the car detailing. 
Okay. Um, and that lasted about, I don't know, six, six to eight months, I think, maybe just under a year. Mm-hmm. Um, and we got up to like, I don't know, three or four cars a day. Mm. And uh, it was actually good. It just, it's good money for sure. Yeah, margins it, are good. Margins are really good. Just, just a lot of blood, sweat, and tears. Literally. Like, literally. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about, right? I, I literally have yeah. a cut on my hand right now from just dry skin from being at the shop so often, right? Yeah. But, Washing your hands so much. But, but you know, I, uh, I definitely wear the scars with pride because I think that shows dedication. It shows yeah. hard work, right? Especially in my industry, if, if you don't have scars or if you're not dirty, yeah. then it's like, are you really putting in your, your 100%, right? So, no, I, I rock my scars. I love it. <laughs> Um, yeah, for me too. I, I think you love cars. Oh, absolutely. Right. Mm-hmm. I, I'm just not a car person. I love cars too. Yeah. Dave loves cars. So <laughs> I think that was very hard for me too, where I wasn't passionate about like that, you know? Sure. Um, but, but yeah, let's, let's talk about how you got into it, mm-hmm. why you got into it and how long you've been in the business. Yeah. And yeah, let's, let's start what were you doing before. Yeah. So, um, Previously in my past life, I did start off at retail banking. You know, I actually really loved what I did there, but it just wasn't for me. Um, so I did about three years with uh, TD Canada Trust. Good times. Um, learned a lot and then decided to move over to IT, which at the time I thought I was passionate about. But um, so, yeah, so I did IT, did a couple jobs. And then the last job was with the Calgary Board of Education uh, as a network analyst. And, you know, it was a good job, uh, union job. So job security was great. Benefits were decent. The only thing is after 10 years, and this is all public information, but mm. after 10 years, you do get capped uh, at a specific amount. So there is a glass ceiling for sure. Mm. So for me to move up at the Calgary Board of Education was very difficult just because all the guys that were above me were lifers mm. and they were still relatively young. So it was pretty much staying in my same job for maybe the next 10 or 15 years. And, you know, to be honest with you, I, I accepted the fact that this might be my career and I was okay with it. I'm like, you know, there's, there's no shame in having the same job for 20 years. You know, our parents did it. Mm-hmm. I know that's not how the climate is nowadays, but there's no shame in that. I don't see a problem in it at all. So anyway, so uh, we... I, how, how old were you right at this point? Ooh. I would have been late 20s, so probably like 27, 28. Okay. So I think I, I in my, young. yeah, yeah I, I, but you know, at the same time, I was, I was scared because mm-hmm. I didn't know what my career was. Mm-hmm. It seemed like everyone around me was really settling down, mm-hmm. um, you know, coming out of school and gaining their proper job that they went to school for. Yeah. I feel like at that age, cause you're the same age as me, 33, right? Yes, yeah. 87, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're 87? Yeah. Yeah, 87. Oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> is, is that a good thing about that? Yeah, that's good. I'm, okay. 80, I'm 88. <laughs> I, th- I feel like at that age, 28 to 30, that's where your people are. I feel like your yeah, things are getting serious, right? You're going to settle down. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Well, it was a not, not just uh, get off too off track, but did you guys, because, you know, like I said, we're all in the same age, right? Mm. But did you guys feel that little panic near the end of your 20s? Uh, I did, uh, especially after I left the, the cleaning company. That's yeah. when I, I think I was like going through mm-hmm. like the biggest change. I was like, Holy shit. Like, I think that was like my third or fourth failed business. And I was not failed, but like just didn't work out. Right. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was like, okay, well, what now am what? I doing now? <laughs> right. Yeah. 
I think at 25, that's when I got into oil and gas. Mm -hmm. And then I got out when I was like 28, 29. Mm -hmm. And that's when I made the transition to real estate. So I find that like, yeah, I guess there is a bit of pressure at that age. You're like, shit, I need to figure my stuff out. Yeah. Because, you know, we don't have that luxury of time anymore. Right. Like, you know, definitely in our early 20s, mid 20s, we could we could afford to take the bigger risks. And, you know, and I think I can speak to I can speak on 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 behalf of us three that even now in our mid 30s, early 30s, we still need to take risks, especially at being entrepreneurs. Right. Mm -hmm. But um, calculated risks. Yeah. So. I think um, right now it's more of like educated risk. Yeah, no, like, oh, for sure, for yeah. sure. Like back in the day, I, was, I did not care at all what I got myself mm-hmm. into. But you got to make your mistakes in your twenties to learn. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, if you're like making those in your thirties, then you have your forties, and then by that time you're fifty, it's like it's kind of late. So. Yeah, no. But I guess it's never too late either to take a risk. No, for no. sure. Yeah. So um, yeah, so then uh, with the CBE for about three years, and then. Um, and uh, this was all over the news. I'm sure you guys always hear about budget cuts at the uh, Calgary Board of Education. So the first area that always gets trimmed when it comes to fat is IT. Because So you're doing IT for the Calgary Board of Education? Yes, correct. Okay. Yeah. And, um, you know, first department is always us because we don't bring any money mm-hmm. in, right? We are a service and a liability almost at that, at that point. Mm-hmm. So... Um, I would. I was very low in the seniority totem pole, so the first year I was expect or when the announcement came out, I was expecting to get laid off. But I was literally right on the cusp of it. Mm-hmm. Um, pretty much the guy that the last guy to get laid off was the guy that got hired right after me. Mm-hmm. So the writing was on the wall. Mm-hmm. So I took a step back and I said, okay, do I do I invest another year into this career that I know I'm going to get laid off, mm-hmm. or you know, do I swing for defenses and look for something new? Mm-hmm. So the opportunity came up with this detail shop, literally from a friend that said, hey, um, you know, I have a friend that's uh, selling a detail shop. You want to go take a look? And I was always a weekend warrior when it came to detailing, never actually worked in a detail shop. Mm-hmm. So I actually had no experience. But at the same time, I'm like, okay, well, this might be an opportunity or this might be a sign mm-hmm. for me to try something different. So I uh, went to go take a look at it. Um, you know, did the whole negotiating back and forth, yada, yada, yada. And then, yeah, we signed on the sign. We literally made the deal probably within a month. So it was a very, very scary month, but it seemed not very exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, so that's how we got into Precision Auto Films. Now, mind you. And, and that was uh, about three years ago? Uh, yeah, three, three and a half years ago now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it, or, so oh, sorry, four years now. Because it will be five years um, May 2021. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, so was it just, um, you? Oh yes. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. here's, here's the yeah. fun part. <laughs> so the, the plan was, it was supposed to be me and my father okay. and I love my dad. Yeah. He's, he's my superhero. No doubt about it. Mm-hmm. Um, the difficult part though. And, um, just so if you guys know, I'm half Chinese, half Vietnamese and very stereotypical, uh, upbringing stern listen to your parents yet the whole nine yards yeah so it's very difficult when your father has one vision for the business and me who is financially attached to the business has a different mindset yeah so i like i said i wanted to specialize i wanted to do um 
quality over quantity, mm -hmm. right? My father, uh, on the other hand, wanted to do volume. He just wanted to do like the $50 in and out details, just use hot water and call it a day. Mm -hmm. So that was a really, really um, difficult part of the business. And my dad worked with me for about two years. Mm -hmm. And I, I had good intentions. The intentions were to pretty much have my dad hang out at the shop and collect a paycheck from me. Mm -hmm. I actually <laughs> didn't really want him working, yeah. right? But of course, you know, our parents' generation, that's all they know is yeah, to work. work. Yeah, they want to put in that work for sure. Yeah, so um, so it was yeah myself, my father, and my younger brother uh, when needed. Mm -hmm. But those two years working with my father, unfortunately, were um, were hell. <laughs> <laughs> it's like really, there's no way to say it. Um, it actually, in all seriousness, it also destroyed our relationship. Mm -hmm. um, it got to a point where I. I didn't enjoy being around my father anymore. Mm -hmm. And my father even started, and he's not the kind of guy to do this, but he even started taking little jabs at me, kind of like, oh, yeah, well, son, you're the boss. You're the, and mm -hmm. it's like, you know, you don't want to hear that, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So initially, you guys started together. Correct, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. And then uh, two years ago, he, he kind of just left. Yeah. yeah, you know the funny thing is technically he still he should technically still be on payroll because he, he never technically quit. Yeah. I never technically fired him because <laughs> like like imagine trying to fire your father. Uh -huh. Yeah, and like and being from an Asian background, yeah. like you would be disowned, right? Yeah. yeah. So you yeah, guys so. just kind of went your separate ways and mutually knew what was happening. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. I remember that about this because uh, I think we went out for lunch and. We were talking about that, yeah, right? We were there. Yeah. <laughs> well, it, it's funny. So, to to the listeners, um, when I really started getting closer to David and Jason, um, yeah. I was going through a really, really dark time with the shop. Um, the shop was failing. I was failing. My relationship with my father was in the gutters, and so these two guys uh, had just kind of really started pushing more so on real estate. So I kind of just vented to them mm -hmm. and. I was like, you know, are you guys going through this? Because I'm going through it and I feel like I'm alone. But then, you know, after speaking to uh, Dave and Jason and, you know, you realize that, yeah, this is just a path of an entrepreneur. And it's unfortunately, I, you know, I'd love to hear you guys take on this, but it can be a very lonely road. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's it's tough when like a lot of your friends aren't in the same like atmosphere either. Like if if you're a lot of your people are. Um, you know, they're doing a nine to five, they, they have the security and stuff like that. Um, but then when you, you go on your own on a path to, uh, for like your own business, it's really tough to, um, keep it going. And, and, and even for the, for startups, because like a lot of people don't feel what you feel and like you, you see the successes, but you don't see the struggle behind it. And I feel like that's a lot of things that people don't understand. And, I find that even even now, like with our friends and clients, they're like, "Oh, it seems like you guys are doing really well. It seems like you guys are doing that." But it's like we are because we're grinding behind, like in the back end, and and that's the part that a lot of people don't really see. So, and I find that with this, it actually gives an opportunity for uh, us and also our friends and clients and stuff like that to hear the back end stories of the business, so that they can uh, understand that it's not all rainbows and unicorns <laughs> uh for sure it's definitely not um and it, as an entrepreneur too um you know i i say this all the time when when especially as a realtor it's lonely by yourself it's so and you know even owning your own business by yourself um w when you are by yourself 
and you don't really know what you're doing too because you're still trying to figure it out yourself it it's it does get lonely and it there mm-hmm. is ups and downs obviously right but what i've learned is yeah like it's funner to to be with other people to to, to grow something right oh yeah and that's mm-hmm. something uh like i've learned in the last just couple of years is just as a realtor when i first joined i was by myself and i said i got this but it it does get lonely. You don't you don't get to bounce um, ideas back and forth with anyone, or or talk about like you know a deal that didn't go through, mm-hmm. you know. And I think that's what people don't see. That's mm-hmm. why, and I it, it doesn't help with like Instagram and like they only see the good stuff, right? Yeah, yeah. And uh, and I, you know I'm a big believer in the saying that you're a product product of your environment. So if you're alone all the time, like you said, Jason, you don't have anybody to bounce ideas off of, right? Yeah. Like I'm sure, you know, you vent to Dave, Dave vents to you, mm-hmm. um, or you have opinions that he may not have seen, you know, you, you guys can literally work together. Mm-hmm. Whereas with myself, um, you know, right now with it being winter, um, we, I, I pretty much lay off uh, a couple of the guys and I have my younger brother to bring in if anything, but mm-hmm. It's mostly me running the shop by myself in the wintertime. And so the last two days, I remember from a nine to five uh, work shift, if you will, I didn't say one word, <laughs> literally, because yeah. I was just working the whole time, right? Yeah. And, yeah. you know, okay, sorry, uh, the phone call. But um, besides the phone, I didn't say one word. And it's lonely in that shop. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, and, you know, it's a lot easier to work hard, if you will, um, when you see somebody else working hard, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. You kind of lead by example. Because the thing is like, okay, if I'm working, I see Jason just grinding it out. I'm like, okay, I gotta, I have to keep pace. Yeah. Um, or, you know, I'm doing something and I, I'm like, oh, okay, I'm going to take a break. But I see Dave's been putting in the hours. I'm like, okay, you know, I can hold on another five minutes, right? Yeah. So that's definitely um, a lonely side of things. And social media is such a double-edged sword because I will... I have no problem admitting social media was the one reason why we are still in business. Mm-hmm. 100%. But yeah, because you post a lot on social media. Oh, yeah. yeah. You know why? Because I see the results out of it, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, I have customers that would just contact us and say, hey, I don't know what you did to that car, but I want that done to my car. Yeah. So, you know, seeing is believing, right? Mm-hmm. Because I think, especially with detailing, it's, it's, um, it's a lot of selling the product or selling the experience. But if you can show it as a tangible asset, meaning like, this is what we're doing. This is how it's going to change your car or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. People are like, oh, okay, I get it. I, now I understand why he charges X amount of dollars, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the thing. I, I want to be transparent with my customers because, you know, I, I, I feel like the automotive industry has such a bad taste. People have such a bad taste in their mouth about it. And unfortunately, it's true. I even get anxiety going into a mechanic shop or whatever or a dealership, right? Mm-hmm. So I really try to put myself in the customer's shoes and I say, okay, how can I make them feel comfortable about this? How can I make them feel comfortable about spending a little bit more money on their car? Mm -hmm. But that's the thing. Once I can get them into the shop and I can show them the quality of work, Mm -hmm. we always get them for life after that. Like, you know, the best feeling is just having a customer run up to you and say, that's not my car. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's seriously it's the yeah. coolest feeling right yeah, yeah. and that's what i strive for personally mm-hmm. yeah the before and after um that you post and also like the the progress through it and then your commentary on it really kind of gives um the owners and also your your um uh, demographic like the back like behind scenes of of the of the business which a lot of people don't really show and i find that like um you going through it and talking about it also gives people like 
they know what's going on with their car and, and seeing the quality of work. And I think that that's where it really benefits. And um, I think that just from watching your social media in the last like few years, it's, it's really evolved. <laughs> Right. No, thank yeah, you. yeah. yeah. So it's, it's pretty cool. Like I, I like watching the videos, and then when you see a friend's car going there, you're like, oh shit! Like yeah. they're doing so much to it, right? Mm-hmm. And then like it's, it's like you're always so jolly. Also, you're like, hey guys, how are you? <laughs> no, it's well, it's really good. Uh, today we have uh, this car, but, but you know you, you have to show excitement, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like you know, it's like if you guys are going to do a showing, and you guys are like, oh this wonderful bungalow with <laughs> open ceilings. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? It's yeah. not going to do anything for anybody, right? Yeah. But like, if you're going to, you're excited, you know, it's going to reflect onto the customer and then they're going to feel excited, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, to touch on that, um, it is it is not all, uh, what, what was the saying? Uh, rainbow and unicorns. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It is not all rainbow and unicorns. So, um, yeah, tell us about that. Like your, your struggles working with your dad and how it evolved after. Yeah, so the first two years definitely was such a growing experience. Um, you know, I didn't understand this until I spoke to my uh, psychiatrist about it. Mm-hmm. Um, she says that because I was so used to being successful mm-hmm. that I didn't know how to fail, mm-hmm. which is actually a very good point. I, you know, we've all taken losses and failures in our lives, but this was on a large scale, mm-hmm. like, you know, a business that was attached to my name, right? So, so the first couple of years you felt like you were failing. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. hundred percent. Um, I had a vision of the shop coming into, uh, or yeah, I had a vision of what I wanted it to be. Mm-hmm. And that was the thing. I didn't understand that it would take time and I knew, okay, yeah, you know, it'll take like a couple months or whatever. But like I said, it didn't take probably, I didn't, I haven't felt comfortable with my business probably until the last six months. Mm. Right. Which is about four years in now. Right. Or mm-hmm. sorry, three and a half years in, um, but the, yeah, the first two years, um, I remember there was this one week in February. Um, and you have to remember, detailing is very seasonal. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the time, we had no commercial contracts either. So it was just all retail customers. There was one month in, Fe- or sorry, one week in February, literally not one car came in, mm-hmm. like the entire week. And I remember as a business owner, I thought, okay, well, if I'm physically at the shop, that means I'm doing something, mm-hmm. right? That means it's, you know, maybe a customer will come in or whatever. But I was driving myself crazy, just staring at the wall, just waiting for a customer to walk in. <laughs> like, literally, for eight hours, that's what I was doing. And it was the worst thing I could have done for myself. Mm-hmm. So what I've learned now is uh, when it does come into winter, I mean, uh, you know, we're fortunate and lucky enough that we are busy. So um, there's always something going on now. But if I don't have anything going on and, you know, everything's done at the shop, I will not come in because mm-hmm. I will just... It, you will drive yourself crazy being in an empty shop. Mm-hmm. Like it's just, it's not good. So that was definitely one thing I had to learn. Um, learn was uh, removing myself from that situation if there's nothing to be done. And then uh, another thing that I learned through um, just talking to people was we wor- we tend to worry and we think by worrying, we're problem solving. Mm-hmm. But we're not actually. We're just worrying, right? <laughs> yeah. But like, you know, you think, okay, well, if I think about it more often, maybe I'll come up to a solution. But you're just worrying and you're just literally running in circles, right? So I, uh, I I try not to worry about everything anymore and just, I know it sounds tacky, but live in the moment and deal with what's in front of me. Mm-hmm. Be more present. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel, I feel like that's... <laughs> that's a big one. I, that's a big one. Um, and it always it comes up on every podcast. Being yeah. present? Being, being present, present, I swear. Being present, being self-aware and like understanding your own 
um, like emotions and, and just kind of like dealing with it at that moment because like stressing about it and worrying about it is like in the future, right? So you can't control the future, but everything mm-hmm. that you do right now in the present will create the future. Oh, here's a good one just to relate to that. Um, depression lives in the past uh-huh. where anxiety lives in the future. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's true. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, you know what I mean? I yeah. remember the first time I heard that, I was like, my goodness. But it's so true though, right? Yeah, when, you, when, you're, when you're thinking about the past and what you're not happy with, that's depression, right? And you actually can't do anything about that. You can't do anything about the past. But uh, being present in what you're doing now actually impacts the future. But if you're thinking about the future and what you don't have in the future, that's where you get the anxiety, right? Mm-hmm. So actually doing something right now about it is actually what they say is like happiness, right? Yeah. Because yeah. yeah. you can't control the future or the past. You can only control the present. Mm-hmm. So that's why it's it's very important to understand that and just... Um, yeah, just like deal with it and then like essentially start every day as like a, a new beginning. Yeah. Um, and that's what helps create the future. Because if you keep on using the same mindset um, of the past, then you're going to continue making the past. But if you can, but if you think about the future and plan for it in the present, then you'll create the future. Totally. Yeah, and just kind of to touch base on that, like um, if you keep doing the same thing, like your past uh, mindset, if you keep doing that, but expecting different results, yeah. what is that called? Insanity. Yeah. Exactly, That's right? Einstein, That's Einstein, right? Einstein. yeah. <laughs> That's a good doing one. The, doing the same thing, expecting different results. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But isn't that crazy though? But we A lot of people do it. Oh, yeah. dude, I was horrible for it. But the, the, the thing is, they don't realize they're doing that with their thinking. So thinking the same thoughts and like the way you're thinking, but not changing your thoughts, basically not evolving yourself to think differently. Mm-hmm. I think that's where people miss out where like, I'm, like it's just not just actions, but you need to change your way of thinking, mm-hmm. right? And uh, was it, um, cause they say that, was it from the time you're born until you're about eight years old, you're creating like mill or billions of these little pathways in your brain. Yeah. But for all of a sudden, now we're in our you know uh, early 30s and we're saying, okay, Jason, we need you to think instead of going left, you need to start thinking right. Mm-hmm. It's hard to change that mindset. Yeah. But if you can do it, my goodness, everything just falls into place, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Like for me, it was procrastination. Obviously, it was a really big thing for me mm-hmm. and learning how to get over that. But um, I would definitely say learning how to control my emotions and not letting my emotions dictate my actions yeah that was the one thing i because i used to always play on emotion so um, did something happen um, when you discovered that to make a shift with yourself in the company like what was that well, shift for you yeah what was the turning point i yeah. guess because uh, it's it's hard like especially you know working with your dad um the first two years how did you shift your mindset to turn it around like what what happened you know uh, the, the catalyst of everything, and I mean this when I say everything, meaning personal life, relationships, mm-hmm. um, how I dealt with things, business, everything, was unfortunately through a failed attempt. So about two years into the business, um, it was June. I can't remember exactly, but it was the month of June. And the business was failing. Um my relationship with my father was just horrible. Mm-hmm. Uh, financially, it was in shambles. Um, just everything that went wrong just went wrong. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. And I remember for the entire month of June, um, I lost 27 pounds in one month. Holy. Every time I would eat, I just threw up mm-hmm. just from anxiety. And I didn't realize at the time, but I was having, I was literally living in a panic state uh, and just adrenaline just running through my body. Mm-hmm. Um, and they actually found this through a CT scan. I guess there was a part of my brain that was swelling and it was actually uh, putting toxins into my nervous system, into my spine or something, what? which was actually causing the the physical anxiety, Crazy like shit. my heart racing, yeah. um, not being able to keep food down and things like that. And I was sleeping about two hours a day. And uh, and yeah, the weird thing was I was waking up every day at 3 a.m., which is like devil's hour. So that really scared <laughs> me too. So I was like, oh, what's going on, right? But, you, uh, you know what's crazy? People don't know this is happening, mm-hmm. um, especially when you're an uh, entrepreneur, right? Working mm-hmm. your Because like if someone that day was to get their car detailed, you'd be like, yeah, come in. And like no one would know, mm-hmm. right? And, and you know, that's the beauty of this podcast is that we can talk about what happens yeah. behind the scenes, yeah. right? And you know, my promise to you two guys was I wanted to really shed light on how how dark things can get, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so the month of June, um, I... So this was about two years ago. Yeah, about two years ago. And I hit rock bottom. Mm -hmm. So um, I remember uh, there was this one morning I woke up and, and you know, they say uh, death comes in threes. So it was the week that Anthony Bourdain had uh, committed suicide. Mm -hmm. Uh, Kate Spade had committed suicide. And um, yeah, I guess I... <clears throat> I thought number three was me. So yeah. I remember I woke up that morning and uh, I felt good. I was like, okay, you know, my heart's not racing. Um, you know, I, I, I don't have this heavy uh, pain in my chest or anything. Mm-hmm. And then like 10 seconds later, just boom, it, it just hit me like a brick wall. And I remember just thinking to myself, I'm like, you know what? If this is going to be my life, if this is how it's going to be for the rest of my life, I can't do it. Mm-hmm. So, um, so I remember, um, I, uh, I, I called my insurance company and I asked, oh, and you know, in hindsight, I, I feel horrible for the guy that was on the other line of the phone. Cause you know, he, he like, you know, he knew what I was asking. Oh, sure. Right. And he was like, you know, Mr. Lai, da, 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 da. And you can just tell he just, he wanted to say something, but he couldn't. But I was like, okay, so if I were to do this to myself, would you guys pay out my policy? Oh shit! They went right. to that, oh, and he yeah. said yes, because th- th- that was the thing. I had a plan, mm-hmm. right? So, um, yeah. So they said yes, and I said okay. So I hung up the phone, and I drove to the shop, and then, yeah, and then, um, <clears throat> yeah, and then, uh, anyways. So, <laughs> I, it was a, so, yeah, sorry, guys. Sh- yeah. So, um, yeah. So then, anyways, uh, like I said, it was a failed attempt. And then uh, I called the suicide prevention line and I spoke to somebody for about two hours. Mm-hmm. And uh, Jen, I, I don't know your last name, but you saved my life. Um, so I, I checked myself into the hospital for a couple of days. And then, um, you know, and then, but that was that, the that, thing. That was your bot. Like, that yeah, was yeah, rock yeah, bottom. Yeah, yeah. Like there was nothing after that. Like, mm-hmm. but that was the thing. Only thing was up. Mm-hmm. And so my attitude after the fact was what's next? Mm-hmm. So what happened um, in the in the last in those two days? Um, a lot of self reflection, mm-hmm. talking to professionals. Mm-hmm. 
um, understanding that there was a physical problem. It wasn't just me thinking. It was, oh, there was actually something swelling in my brain that was causing the physical pain, right? Did they address, like, how did how did you get that fixed? Um, they, they gave me a medication oh, for it. So, oh. yeah, so that's all that's all taken care of now. Um, you know, for transparency, I am still on Prozac, <laughs> um, 40 milligrams. Yeah. But uh, you know, the end goal is to get off of that, too. Yeah. But, I mean, the thing is, like, you know what? It doesn't affect me in any way. It doesn't make me feel anything... Um, physically, it just like you know, like I say, if there's a chemical imbalance in your brain, there's nothing you can do about it. Mm-hmm. Get help, mm-hmm. right? Um, the biggest thing for me was I didn't want to be a poor me case, mm-hmm. a victim. Correct. I didn't want to victimize myself, mm-hmm. right? I said, okay, here's my situation. How do I get out of this, mm-hmm. right? So, um, yeah. So. Uh, and at the time, too, another thing was I was self-medicating with opioids. Um, your little typical story. I had a back uh, injury, was taking Tylenol 3s, and then it evolved into Percocets, Oxycodone. And then on top of that, with the shop failing, it wasn't a good mixture, mm-hmm. right? But that was the thing. I was, I was using the pills to help deal with that. Mm-hmm. So the best thing out of the failed attempt was... Uh, getting clean and i've been sober now for two and a half years um and yeah and then uh dealing with my mental health learning how to deal with my emotions there was this program called dbt um dialectal behavioral therapy and they teach you just how to deal with your emotions and how not to let your emotions control you so that was something i to this to this day i still use Mm -hmm. um because that's the thing emotions are emotions right they're going to happen, but they come and go. Exactly. Yeah. No, hundred yeah. percent, Jason. Yeah. You know, it's all about how we how we deal with that emotion. Totally, totally. Mm-hmm. Right. Like even right now with my nephew, he's uh, two years old, right, and he's learning emotions. And the thing is, like right now, it's not about how to deal with his emotions. I just want him to understand. Okay, this is anger. This is sadness. This mm-hmm. is happy. This is joy. Da 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 da. Right. When he gets older, then we'll we'll talk to him about. Okay. When you're angry, this is what, how you should deal with it or whatever. But right now, let's just label it, mm-hmm. right? So that's that's um, what I'm trying to teach him uh, in regards to his emotions. But, you know, literally baby steps, right? Mm-hmm. But yeah, no, it was... Um, it was a uh, it was a very very scary time, mm-hmm. but I learned so much about myself through it. Um, I don't shy away from talking about it mm-hmm. because the thing is, I want people to know that it can happen to anybody. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, anyone who's listening to this podcast, if you know me personally, I'm like kind of like what Jason said earlier was I'm the happy go lucky guy, and I think that's what surprises a lot of people that I do tell uh, my story to mm-hmm. is they say, "Well, Peter, you look so happy." I'm like, you know, it's usually the happiest people that are usually having the most struggles. Like, you know, I look at Robin Williams, for example, Mm -hmm. right? Unfortunately, what a case he had going on. But to the world, he was um, Mrs. Doubtfire. Yeah, happy guy. He was the Aladdin or sorry, the genie, right? So, you know, speaking from my experience, I put on the front of being happy all the time is so that Dave doesn't ask me. Oh, Peter, are you sad? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? But if Peter's happy all the time, you're not going to start digging. Yeah. Right? So that was my defense mechanism was being happy. But then what happened was um, during, like, you know, May and June uh, before the failed attempt, um, 
I did let my guard down a little bit and then, and no fault of my friends, but they would say, oh, well, Peter, like, you know, you seem depressed or you can kill yourself. And they would say jokingly, and we shouldn't joke about that kind of stuff either. But, mm-hmm. you know, when you're in a room with guys, it is what it is, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, no, no, sorry, sorry, guys. I just, uh, you know, just a little tired or whatever. Then I'd have to put on that front again, right? Yeah. But um, so what would happen is from 930 to 5, I'd be at the shop, you know, having to put on the front for my father, having to put on the front for my customers mm-hmm. and physically still doing the work. Mm-hmm. Then um, in the evening, I was working part time at a software company from 6 to 11. So from 6 to 11, I would race down to the office and, you know, uh, work remotely with my with my team or whatever. The problem was at from 6 to 11, I worked with my friends as well. So those were the guys that were saying, oh, you know, Peter, why are you so depressed? Why are you so you know sad all the time that you can kill yourself? So once again, from 6 to 11, I had to put on the front. Then I would drive home. And then from like 1130 till like 1145, I would just sit about a couple blocks away from home. So... So no one would see me, but, uh, and I would just, I would just cry, <laughs> you know what yeah. I mean? Just let it all out because that was the only place I felt safe or I felt okay just to feel what I felt. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, as soon as I got back inside the house, I would just throw on the front again and, you know, smile and just pretend like everything was good. Right. Yeah. And it, it's, it's taxing. Mm-hmm. It is. Yeah. It's, it's like a mask that you have to wear all the time just to kind of keep the facade of, of, uh, um, just like the questions and, and people in your life from, from inquiring about it, but it actually is doing more harm by holding it in than actually just letting it go. Like there's actually a Japanese saying that we wear three masks. So mm-hmm. like the mask that we show the world, a mask that we only show like people that are close to us, like family and friends. Mm-hmm. And then there's a third mask that you only show to yourself, which is like your true self. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's like you, you actually have these masks in different situations because it's essentially like a, um, like a facade or like a defense mechanism that people use to create an image of themselves. But the, the true self is the third mask. And that's like your true form of you, which barely people ever get to see. Mm-hmm. So it, it's pretty common. And I find that it's pretty common with, with men too, because, um, there's always like some sort of image that we need to portray and uh, we need to kind of um, build to essentially um, be socially acceptable mm-hmm. amongst our peers and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So, well, even uh, in our culture. Yeah. yeah. Right. Like, um, uh, once again, I love my dad, love my dad. Yeah. <laughs> but I remember even, I really, really wanted to talk to him after the failed, failed attempt mm-hmm. And I, you know, I, I pretty much asked him, like, you know, dad, what's your thoughts on, you know, mental health and all that jazz? And he said, I think it's an excuse. Mm. And the way that he said his tone of voice, I was like, okay, we cannot go down this road, right? <laughs> so, you know, to this day, um, I still haven't shared with my parents um, about the failed attempt. Mm. And, you know, and it really, at this point, I don't really think I need to. Mm. I think it would probably hurt them more than anything because that's the thing i'm in a better place now for it right mm. the silver lining is what you see in me now um you know the funny thing to all the listeners is that you know like i said i really started getting closer to dave and jason mm-hmm. um when when i was in my low point so they they met me and got to know me more so when i was in a dark place but now they see me and that's what i think is great is that you know they were kind of a uh, along for the ride um, you know, Dave, I've never even told you this, but you, you know, I've always admired and respected your 
your business savvy and your opinions. And I think that's why, like, I hope you know that when I do ask you for advice, it's genuine. Yeah, you know sure. what I mean? And, and that's the thing. I, I I see what you guys have done, what you guys have built for your, for yourselves and where you guys are going. Mm-hmm. It's exciting. And I love to, I, 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 I love watching it for one. Um, but I applaud you guys for it as well because I know it's not easy. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. So for you guys to do it the way you guys are doing it, with the attitude that you guys are doing it with, it's it's. It, I know it sounds tacky, but it's beautiful. It really is. No. So thank you. And no, for that's sure. the thing. Like we we didn't even know that was going on. To be honest, like mm-hmm. I I always thought like you were super happy with things. So like it didn't even occur to us that that was like going on with uh, with you at that place. But the thing that the thing like we like I. We knew, like, I knew it was going on, but I didn't, like, you don't know to what extent, yeah. you know? Like, you, you did share what was going on between you and your dad, and I remember, mm-hmm. like, I, even I got my car detailed, and then you're like, oh, my God, I can't do this, you know? But it was only to the surface level, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you, I think this is the first time you just mentioned all of this mm-hmm. to us, right? But, uh, yeah, it's very hard to, to see that um, and to actually know, and I guess it's you don't even inquire because you do you did vent but it just wasn't like you shared what you shared and like that that was it right Mm -hmm. we didn't know i didn't know at least for uh like Mm -hmm. that it was so serious right Mm -hmm. well uh so the way the reason why i reached out to you specifically jason and why we went for lunch was through your cousin Mm -hmm. so i was talking to your cousin and i didn't know that he uh understands and appreciates mental health the way that he does yeah so i he came in to get his car detailed and he actually knew something was wrong it was it was weird like he mm-hmm. he could pick up on my my vibe he's like hey you good mm-hmm. so next thing you knew next thing you know we're literally standing in the same spot in the garage for three hours talking mm-hmm. and he's like you know you need to talk to you my cousin mm-hmm. i'm like which one and he's like well, jason I'm like really and he's like yeah, yeah he's like no he's he gets stuff right mm-hmm. so then that's uh that's when i called you out for bubble tea and we went for lunch oh, or yeah, whatever, right, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah and yeah so then we started speaking like that but you know and that's why i think one of my my big uh mantras is be kind to everyone because you don't know what demons they're fighting yeah you, you know, know what i mean yeah um and i truly believe that and you know when i have my bad days i think there are literally people in this world that would kill for my bad days or mm-hmm. for your bad days for your bad days right mm-hmm. um and so we really do have to count our blessings like life could be a lot tougher right so yeah. and, and then and at the same time that's not to discount what we go through what anybody goes through mm-hmm. i'm just saying take a step back take a really really good breath in and out and see what you're worrying about mm-hmm. right is it worth your energy is it worth the amount of energy that you're putting in um, and hopefully that'll put things into perspective, right? Yeah. So h- how did it all um, shift for you? Um, so definitely getting off of the opioids was a huge thing. Mm-hmm. Um, talking to professionals, um, getting on medication to help with the swelling. Um, and then, yeah, and now seeing a psychologist has been such an improvement. Like, you know, don't get me wrong. I understand that uh, seeing a psychologist is expensive, but at the same time, you, you know, it's worth it's worth it oh 100 percent, man like so uh, i'm a huge sneakerhead (laughs) it's one of my uh, vices yeah yeah. but you know okay pair of sneakers is what 200 bucks a session with my psychologist is 200 bucks Mm -hmm. i get so much more out of that one hour session 
than wearing a new pair of kicks, right? Yeah, of so that's just the way I look at it. Or, okay, you know what? Maybe um, this month I just won't go out and eat as much. Because, you know, nowadays if you go uh, for a dinner with you and your girlfriend or your wife or whatever, you're looking at about 150 bucks anyways, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. you know, it's money well spent. Mm-hmm. And um, I he, he, was it Jamie Foxx said it really well. He's like, just because we can't see mental health doesn't mean that it's not real, mm-hmm. right? So I don't know why we still discount it the way that we do. You know, society is getting better at it. Um, but yeah, we, we, we can't shame each other for it. Um, I think we just need to be more accepting of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and you have to be willing to change too. Mm-hmm. I, like I said, I will never, ever victimize myself. I will never say, you know, poor me or why me. Um, yeah, I, I I just think that's a it's like a cop out, right? Yeah, but h- how um hard was that to shift that mindset though? Oh, uh, ooh, it, it doesn't happen overnight. That's for yeah. sure. Um, I'm still learning how to shift uh, or change my mindset around it, right? Um, but the biggest thing was definitely DBT. Um, learning, like what, actually, what's DBT? Uh, sorry, so DBT, the acronym, uh, that dialectal behavioral therapy mm-hmm. i know i'm chopping the first letter in that one but um <laughs> but yeah it's actually it's actually based around a lot of buddhism and um i'm not a practicing buddhist or anything by any means but if you were to ask me if i follow any religion i would say buddhist right mm-hmm. um so i believe a lot in karma i believe in a lot of uh balance yin and yang right so um understanding that yeah my emotions are just that they're emotions it's up to me to decide on what i use that emotion for so now um yeah it and you know journaling has helped a lot Mm -hmm. because the thing is now you can physically look back and say holy this is where i was you know two months ago three months ago or whatever um and yeah it, it it does not happen overnight there's no easy fix there's no quick solution um but if you if you're willing to put in the work, my goodness, like it's yeah. I what I want to just tell everybody is that if you are going through something, it's tough, mm-hmm. but it does get better. Um, yeah, yeah. Just uh, you know, it, there's good people in your life. The universe will give you what you need when you need it. Mm-hmm. You just have to be willing to accept it and put in the work mm-hmm. right because like i said i could have easily sat here and just victimized myself and say you know why me and poor me and all this all this crap but i decided like no i'm not going to just take this dry i'm, I'm gonna stand up and i'm, I'm going to fight mm-hmm. right um and the outcome is what you see now like you know like you know the shop is busy it's doing well there's definitely still bad days but the thing is the good days outweigh the bad days mm-hmm. yeah right now you have a choice yeah, yeah. no 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 Hmm. that's a big thing right like i find that a lot of the times the emotions are there anyways but you choose how you react to it and i think that's where a lot of the the power gets back to you is that okay this is the situation that is there and you could choose to be a victim or not and that's your freedom is the choice in that um being able to decide how to feel or how it's going to impact you or or everything so that's that's the true power is is having a choice and on those feelings and then maybe even before i felt like i didn't have a choice mm. right? yeah for it sure was, for sure but that, i think that's why you get to that low because you feel um helpless mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. When, when like when i've been there i i have to tell myself like okay what what did i learn from this and how do i bounce back whenever 
whenever I have gotten to that place, right? Mm-hmm. It's it's like, okay, I'm here. What can I learn from this? Mm-hmm. And I think that was very critical for myself is like, these are lessons, not this, this doesn't represent you. This is just your own lessons that mm-hmm. will like for your future benefit, right? And would you say that you, you can do that now like uh, live in the sense that it's like, okay, it's happening right now and you can actually take a step back and think like that or is it okay no it's gonna happen and then 12 hour 12 hours later it's like okay what did i learn from that like, um is it I, second nature yet for you oh it's it's pretty close because i'm becoming more self-aware of on how to deal with my thought process mm-hmm. uh feelings right i don't i'm always like feelings come and go so when i'm whenever i am in a negative state i know that it's just gonna pass because you could always look back and be like I've also felt good and I've also felt bad, right? So when you're aware that feelings just come and go, you become less attached to your actually your own actual feelings, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, yeah, because you know that they're going gonna to go, go away, It's right? going to go away, right? Yeah. So, so just kind of uh, to speak on that. So this is what I learned uh, in one of my sessions was, mm-hmm. so this is how I deal with my emotions now. And it sounds stupid, but it works for me. So screw it. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I imagine literally in my chest, there's a little Lego man like a little mini figurine, right? Mm-hmm. And there's a conveyor belt in front of me. And, and an emotion comes up. We'll say anger. Mm-hmm. It comes on that conveyor belt and it's boxed. And the Lego man will take it and he'll show it to me. He'll say, Peter, this is anger. Mm-hmm. You know, he'll tape it up. He'll put a skew on it. And he'll say, you know, what? we're not burying this. We're not suppressing it. We're not locking it away. But we're just going to file it over here mm-hmm. with anger mm-hmm. right because that's it is it's it's an emotion and it is what it is but it's up to me do i want to open that box do i want to throw it against the wall no it's not going to do anything so mm-hmm. why don't we just pack it up put it to the side and if we ever need to use anger we know that it's there mm-hmm. and like i said i know it sounds stupid but it works so well for me mm-hmm. and that's literally how i deal with my emotions now right mm-hmm. um yeah and then uh, because yeah suppressing any emotion, whether it be happy or sad, mm-hmm. it's not good for you, mm-hmm. right? Um, another another thing I learned through DBT was exposure therapy. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if you guys have heard about it, but the way exposure therapy works is like if you're scared of spiders, you expose yourself a little bit to spiders, mm-hmm. then a little bit more, then a little bit more, and then to the point where you're comfortable with it. Mm-hmm. Now, if there's one thing I want to really get across this po- podcast today is exposure therapy. So if you're uncomfortable with something, expose yourself to it. Mm-hmm. And, and no one's saying to throw yourself into the fire, but just a little <laughs> bit at a time, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And that's what's happened with me at the shop. I remember I would come in and if I had two cards getting dropped off at the same time, I would have a panic attack because mm-hmm. I didn't know how to deal with it, mm-hmm. right? Nowadays, I can have five people coming at the same time and I'm laughing with everybody, right? Yeah. Because cause the thing is, I'm comfortable with it now because I've exposed myself just a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more, right? Mm-hmm. Um and that's been the best thing for me, putting myself into these uncomfortable situations, right? Um, and it's done wonders for me. So, you know, anyone that wants to learn something or try to get over something, really look into exposure therapy and learn how to use that because it's probably one of the best things that you can do. Um, what is it? Will Smith said it. Uh, practice is um, controlled failure, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So, if we consistently practice that something, we get better at it. It's just going to become second nature, right? You're going to fail less for sure. Yeah. You're going to fail less. Yeah. 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 For like, sure. Cause the more you practice it and the more you fail at it or get comfortable with it, the less 
stress it's going to be for you because you're aware you're like comfortable with that situation right like mm-hmm. your car is coming in you know two cars coming in now you could deal with five right yeah like like let me ask you guys okay so with you guys being in real estate what was something in the first year that you were like oh my good like okay um like was it like trying to sell life in critical illness or something or <laughs> like what was really difficult for you guys in the first year but now you guys are like you almost welcome that that situation i think for me was um the fear of rejection mm, in yeah. the business mm-hmm. and then what was happening was i would not be making the calls or or contacting people that i need to because i felt like i was bothering them mm-hmm. and like you had to understand that that's just just the nature of business and service is that sometimes people need um that reminder something like that to uh to talk to talk with you on a regular basis um, before you start building rapport. And then that's how the deals come in. And I think that was a big thing for me was like, I don't want to be rejected, so I'm just not going to do it. But then it also is like a catch 22 because in that creates your own failure. So mm-hmm. my, so what I had to do was I had to figure out what were my commitments, what I wanted to achieve in life and then my goals. And if those, all those things that I need to do were aligned with what, um, where my goals were, then it was a no-brainer. I have to do it. Yeah. Right? So it kind of removes the, um, the the procrastination and not doing things by understanding what you're actually trying to achieve. And once you have that that goal in mind, um, there is no choice. You just have to do the things that you you uh, don't want to do because that's what will get you there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You, you you always have to do the things at the beginning that you don't want to do because those are the things that cause the results, right? Oh yeah. (laughs) Like, like at the beginning, man, it's like, yeah, you don't know anything and you're scared of everything. And Mm -hmm. I, I'm always good though. Like I know myself that I, I don't care. I'll Mm -hmm. do it even if I'm like, don't want to. Right. That's why I admire about you, Jason, is that you really do have a, like, like it's not scared of failure, but I love seeing your, your fearlessness. Like, you know what I mean? Like, of course, I'm, I'm sure you do have your fears and whatnot. Of course, yeah. But the thing is, what I admire about you is that you're willing to take that risk because I think you're willing to work hard so you, you won't regret your decision because you're like, okay, well, I'm going to go in swinging for defenses and if it doesn't work, it doesn't work, mm-hmm. right? But you're comfortable with walking away saying, well, screw it. I, I did my best, so I have no regrets. Exactly. Right? Yeah. So yeah, so I definitely, that's something that I've always admired about you mm-hmm. from a distance. I never told you that, <laughs> but like, and, but that's the thing, like, you know, I'll be the first to say that we're, the three of us aren't like the closest friends or anything, but you three probably, you two probably know more about my life than, you know, my closest friends. Yeah. Because the thing is, that's the thing, because we relate to a lot of things, yeah. right? our careers have now become our lives, right? Good and bad. But that's the thing. We enjoy what we do. We love what we do, Mm -hmm. right? Um, I never understood that. Like, I I always envied people that, um, you know, they got their dream job air quotations or whatever, and they're not working a day in their lives, right? You know, at the shop, there's definitely days, like, okay, uh, yesterday, for example, I was there at 4 a.m., and I didn't leave yesterday until about 9 Mm p.m. But the thing is, it's mine. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? I'm not doing it for anybody else that's passion Mm -hmm. and was i tired absolutely but did i leave the shop with a smile on my face damn right i did yeah yeah you know what i mean i'm proud of what i do and i think it it shows in my work right Mm -hmm. um did you always knew though you wanted to be like 
to detail cars and run a oh, show. Hell no, no, <laughs> right? It kind of it's kind of a, a weird like uh, you kind of fall into what you wanted to do. Yeah. Same with real estate. I, like I never thought I was going to be a realtor. I just knew I wanted to own properties. And <laughs> yeah. then it was like mortgage license and property property management, management mm-hmm. then realtor. And then I'm like, oh, I actually don't mind this now, right? Yeah. So yeah, see, what see, about for, for you? For me, it was as a kid. If you were to like, you know, if you were to go back and see nine year old Peter, he would have just said, "I want to be a businessman." Mm-hmm. You know, I just wanted a briefcase, come home to, honey, I'm home, and you know, just throw my briefcase <laughs> on the ground. Like, no, that, that was what I wanted to do, right? Mm-hmm. And then I remember my, and I don't know why. For the longest time, I thought an engineer when I was a kid was a train conductor. Mm-hmm. Don't ask me why. I just related the word engineer to a train conductor. So I always wondered why my parents wanted me to drive trains. But, <laughs> you know, once I grew up a little bit older, I'm like, oh, that's what an engineer is. Yeah. But, you know, like I said, stereotypical Asian household, right? Mm-hmm. It was either you become a doctor, lawyer, um, doctor, lawyer, nurse, uh, engineer, or an accountant. accountant. Yeah, yeah, right? And then, I, you know, I was halfway there as a tech, right? As in IT. So I, I, I kind of fulfilled it, but that was the thing. Like, and, you know, I think you guys can tell. I I would have wasted my life being stuck inside a server room all day, mm-hmm. right? Like I'm a people person, so mm-hmm. that was the thing. Every day at the CBE, I was trying to find a way to call in sick because I hated what I did. Mm-hmm. Um, and then yeah, so then that's why with the detailing thing. Okay, now he, he, just to kind of touch base on what we were saying earlier, um, you fall into what you like doing or whatever, right? Hopefully, but, hopefully, hopefully, yeah. But here's the yeah. thing, though. Do you think? Do you think we learn to love what we kind of what we're good at? Because that was the thing, dude. I never wanted to be a detailer. Like mm-hmm. I always liked detailing cars mm-hmm. as a hobby, or I like detailing my own cars. Yeah, right. That's different. It, exactly. That's very different than detailing <laughs> someone else's puke, right? Yeah. yeah. But um, but yeah. So that was the thing. So I, I always liked doing it myself for my own cars, or maybe my family's car. Mm-hmm. But I never thought I'd make a business out of it, right? But now, I mean, I. I I don't. I couldn't imagine doing anything else, mm-hmm. right? So, do you think it's something that you learn to love, or is it something that was like, like you know what I mean? Like you just learn to love what you're good at. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think you so. guys see what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like a lot of the time, um, the opportunity comes and you kind of just roll with it. And over time, um, I find that the grind is actually what makes it more passionate. Like you're, like you enjoy the satisfaction of your client, um, mm-hmm. the service, uh, you're, you're enjoying like their happiness from it as mm-hmm. well. Oh, hundred percent. So you get something from them. And, and I think the, the business is, um, like the, the, the service and, and the quality of that is different from actually the detailing itself. Like you mm-hmm. get, you get different, um, gratification from, um, things that come from the detailing, but not the detailing itself. So I think that's kind of the same thing with real estate and um, like it's it's just the carrier of the the end goal, which is the gratification. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I would definitely say that I'm I'm addicted to the emotion mm-hmm. that I get out of it. Like for me, it's like saying, oh, OK, Peter, if you spend five hours uh, polishing the paint on this car, you can make it look like this at the end of it and it just like it satisfies that itch in my brain right so it's it's so satisfying um and then secondly seeing the customer's reaction mm-hmm. once they do come pick it up mm-hmm. like i i it's like it's like going on a first date because i get butterflies knowing that oh shit okay dave's coming at four o'clock to pick up his car so like, okay okay like you know like <laughs> what is he gonna think no but seriously that's yeah. that's what goes through each of my customers mm-hmm. right and if I didn't care about my customers or if I didn't care about the work, I wouldn't feel like this. Yeah. Right. But like, yeah. So 
the ones that hurt are the ones that I remember this one guy, he had a old Porsche 911, a black one. It was like this first full paint correction I charged the customer for. Um, so he did full paint correction, wet sanding the whole nine yards, uh, full PPF or like paint protection film install. It was like a $5,000 job, mm -hmm. right? And you should have seen the paint on this thing. It was just, I, I'm, I was stoked. Yeah. When he came and picked it up, he said, oh yeah, it looks good. And it walked <laughs> away. It broke my, like you could literally, like if you pulled up the security footage, you could see the moment where, where my heart broke. <laughs> but like, but you know, at the same time though, like I know he was happy with the work. It just, it wasn't the reaction I wanted, mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm. And you know, maybe generations too, right? He was yeah. an older gentleman, so. It was a black car, right? Yeah, yeah, it was the, yeah. the black one. Yeah. Yeah, you remember that one, right? Yeah, black is the worst to. But it looks so good. Yeah, it does. <laughs> but yeah, black is the hardest to maintain, so. Yeah. That's pretty funny. Being in business right now, are, is it still you running the show? Do you have help? Um, and how have you learned how to run it uh, since the last two years to, to get it going where, you know, you could turn on the heat? <laughs> <laughs> well, oh, yeah. So, uh, so that's another running gag that I have with these guys is that, uh, and it's not a gag, I guess it's true, but this is the first winter that I'm allowing myself to turn the heat on above 10 degrees in the garage <laughs> okay anybody that's ever had a garage knows how expensive uh those commercial heaters can get right mm -hmm. so for the longest time i wouldn't run the heat during the winter times like if you went and looked at the, the thermostat it was 10 degrees mm -hmm. at most maybe 12 degrees if if i was in a good mood but it was 10 degrees and but you know that's the thing we couldn't afford to keep the heat on that high, mm -hmm. right? Which is depressing. But you know, you learn how to stay warm. You you wear you dress in layers. Mm -hmm. You you drink hot tea and stuff like that, right? But like you know, that's kind of like the way I see it. it's like me paying my dues. Um, but yeah. So as of right now, technically, it's me myself as the full time employee at the shop, and then mostly subcontractors. So um, if things get a little hectic, we'll bring in installers for paint protection film or tint installers mm -hmm. but when it comes to detailing the paint correction it's always just it's always going to be me doing all of it or at least uh doing the final touches because it, like you know we have a you have to check on it oh 100 sure. yeah. like and, you know jason you can appreciate this yeah. right is like there's a standard that we have to hit each time mm -hmm. and the only way that that's going to happen is if i sign off on it um and yeah so that's why every car that actually comes through the shop will always go through my inspection. Mm -hmm. No and ifs or buts. So, um, but yeah, it's me technically working there full time. Um, and you're doing all the back end stuff, everything. Yeah, too. all the marketing. <laughs> uh, yeah, all the marketing. We have an accountant that helps out as well. But yeah, when it comes down to it, it's, yeah, it's me managing the social media, mm. uh, me doing the invoicing, uh, responding uh, to emails, quotes. It, it's all me, right? Yeah. So it, yeah. it, it uh, <laughs> yeah it's tiring <laughs> it is oh trust me man i i know how um if you're doing a one-man show the the business doesn't even end after the detailing mm -hmm. there's a whole back end um and especially if you're looking at every car uh, i know that like that's very because that's what i was doing too right even with like the cleans and the houses but maybe in a few years you'll you'll start to delegate and and uh that's just what you got to do at the beginning yeah. of the business. Mm -hmm. I find you got to, you got to put in that work. You got to understand the business, like in all aspects of it. So that once you figure that out and you can, f you, you know what you need to focus on to 
create the most income for yourself mm-hmm. and you can delegate those tasks so that you can actually focus on the gravy and all that backend stuff can be allocated to somebody else. And I, I think uh, that's the next skill I want to learn uh, for myself is how to delegate because I have a very hard time um, just letting letting go mm-hmm. and allowing people to do the work. Because and, and, and I don't want to say it's a trust thing. It's just... And that, that's why in school I hated group projects uh-huh. was because I hated relying on somebody else, uh-huh. right? At least it's like if I fail, I only have myself to blame, uh-huh. right? But I tend to want to blame somebody else if there if there is somebody involved, right? Uh-huh. Because nobody wants to admit to their shortcomings. I'm I mean I'm much better at it now admitting my faults, um, but yeah, I, that's why I don't do well unfortunately in a group setting. But um, yeah, it's something I'm aware of and something I I really do want to work towards, right? Uh-huh. The great thing about business is if you need to grow yourself, if you want your business to grow, mm-hmm. um, you need to change your mind. Like for me, uh, just learning how to delegate and grow a team. Uh, for me, it's about this year, I've actually learned to um, to delegate, to, to let go of things. It's letting, letting, letting go of being in control. That That's the hardest thing. That was a big thing for me, just letting go, <laughs> right? And uh, I think I think the more busier you get, the more you're going to realize, um, I don't know, this is just from my personal experience, the more mm-hmm. you have to let go yeah, because you can't do everything, especially if you want to grow. You, you need a team. You need, uh, um, like, support, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so that's... And that's the thing where I'm at right now is I know that I'm I've kind of hit a glass ceiling because the, the thing is there's only so much Peter can physically do mm-hmm. right um, you know if we were to get say for example five cars in this week for paint correction there's no way that we can do it in five or sorry there's no way I could do it in five days with five cars mm-hmm. um, so uh, what's it called how do you say it? I, I want to find like a good shop manager um to help with it so I can delegate to him and then he can kind of manage the foot soldiers. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, Because the thing is I'm starting to really understand now it's, it's not so much, this is a kind of a bad thing. Actually, a lot of people come in, they don't want precision auto films. They want Peter. Yeah. Right. Which is, I mean, it's, it's, I'm humbled and I appreciate it and everything, but that's not the end goal. We want people to want precision auto films, not Peter. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the scary thing. So that's what I'm trying to learn. Um, and you know that's my kind of like short term two year goal. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just trying to figure out how to get there. Right. Mm-hmm. We have that same problem too because we get a lot of referral business, and a lot of people want to work with us specifically. And then now that we have a new associate, mm-hmm. um, they may not want to work with them. But the thing is that if you can train up your associates to put in the same quality of work as you, mm-hmm. then it actually doesn't change. Mm-hmm. So like um, as long as I think it comes down to training and also um, the quality that you offer that someone else that, uh, that, that you can pass that on. That's the big thing for us is what we're finding is that you want to have um, it's, you want to have the same quality of work, no matter whoever is working on the car. Mm-hmm. And it may not be um, the exact same as you because no one, no two people are the same, but mm-hmm. as long as it's like 80%, I feel like, people are okay with that yeah because I, I guess yeah for you guys because things now it's yyc realty right yeah. so I, i'll be honest with you if i were in the market to buy a new house and i contacted you guys i would want 
either Jason or Dave. I wouldn't want yeah. another guy. That's the truth. And I'm just being I'm just being honest with you guys, right? So um yeah, you know, that, so that's, that's kind of cool. You guys are going through the same thing as I am. <laughs> yeah, it was. That, that's what we're learning right now. But mm-hmm. uh, we are getting a lot of like random deals that we we can um, pass off now, but okay. still be in flow, right? Mm-hmm. I think now it's kind of like managing. Right? Mm-hmm. That's kind of what we're learning right now too, right? Yeah. So, so like, what, what would be the end goal for YYC Realty? Is it is it to have multiple associates under belt or have another partner come in as well? We're still or is that like behind that. the scenes? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we're I, I think we're, we, we're working right now with one associate and mm-hmm. learning on how to deal with this guy. Yeah, for sure. You know? Yeah. And, uh, and then once we kind of have that model and prototype, then we can kind of scale it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, but you have to, in order for you to actually do that, you got to just try and, and see what like the, um, like what works and what doesn't work yeah. and mm-hmm. then and then also um just kind of optimize and uh just streamline the process of that see like um when when i put a posting out for uh a shop de- a shop detailer uh we had a lot of applicants and a lot of guys with the experience but the problem was they were coming from a world of volume mm-hmm. so um you know this is no like bubbles for example is a very well-known uh car wash right mm-hmm. now they can they call themselves a detail center what have you in my honest opinion i say that they're a car wash Mm -hmm. right Mm -hmm. whereas with us we're a detail studio Mm -hmm. right so there's a little bit more in-depth work a little bit more care that comes out of it Mm -hmm. um number one advice for every everyone that's listening to this right now if you do not want your car to get scratched do not go to the car washes that have the spinning brushes Mm Um, the way I tell my customers, or even when you go to the coin operated, do not use that brush. Yeah. A lot of people, I, you would be <laughs> surprised. Yeah. Dude, you, you have no idea how many people use that on their car's paint and it's they think stupid. it's okay. Yeah. Like it's ignorance is bliss, yeah. right? But um, my rebuttal to that is, do you guys ever see anybody clean that brush, yeah. right? You never see anybody clean it. So it's a tire brush. Not yeah, the tire brush. brush. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so anyways, so uh, word of advice, guys, do not ever use the coin or uh, the spinning brushes. Um, but that's the thing. You go to Bubbles and, um, like I said, this is no shot at them. This is how they do it. But their exterior washes are run through a machine with the spinning brushes. Mm-hmm. So, And I'm assuming you guys don't do that. No. No. <laughs> no. Everything is done by hand at the shop. Yeah. Um, even my, uh, my method of doing a panel, for example, is, say, for example, we're doing a door. I'll wipe it down with a, a wash mitt and then... I go and flush out that wash mitt right away mm-hmm. because that's the thing. What if it picks up a piece of gravel? Like you would be surprised at how soft clear coat really is. So it doesn't take much for it to scratch your paint. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's the thing we, I, I take pride in that. So yeah, it may take an extra 10 minutes to do an exterior, but it's done the right way. Mm-hmm. Right. And I'm sure you guys can relate to this. There's a lot of corners that you guys could probably cut in closing a deal, but is that the right way of doing it? Is that the experience you guys want to leave for the customer, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, unfortunately, there's a lot of people that, you know, everybody has a realtor, right? Mm-hmm. But the thing is, what separates you guys is, in my honest opinion, is customer service, mm-hmm. right? Even when I talk to you guys and we're going out for lunch, it is, I'm very comfortable around you guys. So I can only imagine how at ease I would be as a customer with you guys, mm-hmm. right? Um, you know, it was funny. We were just talking about this off uh, before we started the podcast. But I asked Dave if uh, his monotone voice was trained or if that's <laughs> what he was born with. But that's the thing. Whenever I speak to Dave, it's very common. It's, uh, 
I, I feel like I'm in front of like an Asian Morgan Freeman. It's it's awesome. Like I would love to have you as like my audiobook uh, voice. That's so funny. It's <laughs> funny because people told me that are like your voice is really good for radio, and I was like, well, I guess I never thought about that. But, and then we but, got into the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> but you'd be like the one a.m. radio voice. Like you know, you're the guy that people want to sleep fall asleep to, right? I don't think you could do the first like seven to nine a.m. shift. No, definitely not. <laughs> yeah, I'd be the morning shift. Yeah, me and Jason would be the morning shift. Okay, Peter and Jason, nine o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> well, Jason, if things ever uh, go uh, weary in the detailing world and real estate bores you, what is it? Maybe we'll try to do a podcast or a morning show or something like that. Yeah, I feel you've you've made a shift. Mm-hmm. How is it now? What when? At what point were you happy with the business? When, um, you, when you when you're like, okay, I, I'm comfortable in my skin now with this. Oh probably the last three months oh, wow. in, in all seriousness. Yeah. Um, things definitely started changing for the better last spring. Mm-hmm. Yeah, last spring. And that's the thing. Like, we're finally starting to build traction with our name. Um, what caused that change, though? What caused that change? Because I understand two years ago, mm-hmm. you went through your thing. Then a year, like, you were developing yourself in that last year or what happened there? Yeah, I, I would just say the book of business finally became more stable. Um, we have a couple commercial accounts that keep us steady during winter and things like that. Um, but it was just really re- repeat customers finally coming back, uh, referrals, word of mouth. Like I'm sure you guys can appreciate is huge, mm-hmm. right? Um, because you know, buying a home is a very intimate process. Um, your vehicle is a very personal thing. Mm-hmm. So, and especially the way that we, I, I, uh, I advertise our business it's an experience as well, right? So just finally having the trust of the general public, um, the people finally coming to us, they they were looking for us rather than me having to sell ourselves for the first two years, mm-hmm. right? So they're coming for a specific service or a, a specific experience. And the things we're delivering on it now mm-hmm. because, you know, Dave told Jason, like, oh yeah, go see Peter because this is what you're going to expect. Mm-hmm. The best part is we always deliver on it, right? So we have the consistency going for us now. So that's definitely helped a lot. Um, and now I know really timing wise, like, okay, what I can, I can look at a car and really give myself a proper time frame. Whereas before I would either undercut myself or I was just doing it way too quickly to the point where quality was actually uh, dropping, right? And that's not what we wanted to do. So I had to really take a step back and say, okay, um, yeah, we're going to have to start learning how to say no mm-hmm. um, and not say no to business. But the thing is just explaining to the customer that it's like, hey, if we want this end result, we cannot finish it in two days. So just learning how to set, set the expectations for customers too, mm-hmm. right? Like I'm sure you guys can relate in your world. Oh, um, I have this house and it needs to close by next Friday. Right. You just be like, what? (laughs) Like when I was working in retail banking, we had customers call all the time. It's like, you know, Peter, um, I put in an offer and possession is next Friday. I was like, you're giving me a week to get this deal done. It's not going to happen. I mean, we somehow did get it, make it happen. Right. Mm -hmm. But it's just, it's ridiculous. So learning how to set the expectation was definitely a a huge thing. Mm. It's like learning the product and being more, it sounds like you were more comfortable of your ability, uh, as the years went on of how to price it in your time. 
Oh, and you you know, so that was one thing that really. Because at the beginning, you're probably like, "Yeah, I'll take this car. I'll take this." Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. dude, you yeah. should have seen the things that we would have taken for two hundred dollars back yeah. then. Like, ah, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm literally getting shivers just thinking about it. But that that was the thing. We because we had no name. We had to take every job, and we had to almost take it at whatever the customer wanted to pay for it too, right?、Mm-hmm. Now we have the luxury to say, like, I will never say no to no to a job, but the thing is, I know my worth now at the same time, right? It's like, okay, this is going to take legitimately two days, and we cannot do it for a hundred bucks,、mm-hmm. like, you know, stupid example, right? But that's、uh, just understanding my worth and learning when to say no correctly.、Mm-hmm. Um, And without belittling the customer or making them feel any way, right?、Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so that's been a huge thing for us.、Um, and yeah, those days of—I remember this one vehicle, for example. It was a Dodge Caravan, and it had one of those、uh, stow-and-go seats in the middle,、mm-hmm. so it would fold all the way down to the floor. And I kid you not,、um, because it was a、uh, what's the word? Like when the bank. A, a, a repossession. Yeah, yeah. So it was a repossession. So the owner of the van knew that it was getting repoed. So they just trashed this thing.、Oh. Um, like they put cigarette butts inside of the air vents.、Um, so here's the stone go one. They they had the seat up, but they opened the bottom portion and they peed in it.、Oh, crazy. So and the reason why I knew was because once we hit it with steam, all I could smell was urine. So, but that was the thing, and you know, and I think we charged that.、Uh, It was a used dealership that、uh, bought it from auction, and I think we charged them like four hundred bucks to do that entire minivan.、Oh. And it it took me, dad, and my younger brother two full days on a Saturday and Sunday with no no uh, uh, disturbances、oh. to do this van. But we only made four hundred bucks off of it. Yeah, you know what I mean. So、yeah. it's just like it, it. But that's the thing. That was me paying my dues. Yeah, so yeah. screw it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I find that like as you get. Deeper into the business, you kind of know your your worth and your time,、mm-hmm. and、um, you have to just be like honest and realistic with clients too. And and、yeah. a lot of the time, they will understand and appreciate that. Oh, hundred percent. And especially when it comes to the cars,、um, honesty really is the best policy. Customers are very understanding if you're just honest with them and you set the expectation. Because there's been plenty of times where I'm like, you know, Dave, okay, you come drop off your car Monday, we'll have it ready for you Wednesday. But because the thing is, and then I'll touch base with you. Say Wednesday morning. I say, hey Dave, the end result that we're gunning for,、mm-hmm. it's not going to happen by the end of today. But if I can keep it for another day, this is my action plan. This is what I'm going to do. Customers are more than happy to work with you,、mm-hmm. right? It's the guy that says,、um, it's the guy that tries to blame it on somebody else、mm-hmm. or tries to throw somebody else under the bus. And customers can pick up on that stuff. They know the customers are not stupid,、mm-hmm. right? So if you're just honest with them, man, like customers appreciate it. They love it. They don't mind it.、Mm-hmm. So, and anytime I,、uh, anytime there's a problem、uh, that I have to address with my customer, when I bring it up to them, I try to have at least two solutions,、mm-hmm. right?、Mm-hmm. Because that's the thing. I don't want to come to you with just a problem and say, okay, well, Dave, what are we gonna do about this? Yeah. Right. If I come to you and say, hey, okay, Dave, this is my roadblock, but We have option one, option two. What are you more comfortable with,、mm-hmm. right? You're gonna appreciate that because you're like, oh, okay. Well, Peter put some thought into it, right? And yeah, so that's that's what I try to do now.、Uh, but yeah, hundred percent, man. You nailed on the head about setting expectations with customers.、Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And that's what happens at the beginning of your. I, I swear to God, every business you you. The the mistakes that you're learning is costing you. 
<laughs> like, but but that's where you learn. Mm-hmm. You have you 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 have to learn from your mistakes. Yeah, right? it's okay to make mistakes. You yeah. just got to learn from them. Exactly. Right. Yeah. It's just because we were talking about paying dues, and then I was having flashbacks of that minivan. Right. In in uh, <laughs> in in real estate, what what would you guys consider paying your dues? Oh, at the beginning is uh, cutting for me, like cutting commissions large. Yeah, okay. and underselling yourself of like. I remember I did this deal. I made like a thousand dollars, and I was both sides, and I just wanted to get the deal yep. done right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, "What the? F- Why did I just do that?" Yeah, right? mm-hmm. and that's when I was like, "Okay, yeah, it never happened." But it's like when you're first new into real estate, you want to do anything to close the deal. Yep. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. But but as like especially now, like I feel like we don't want to do that at all. Yeah, yeah. That and also for me, it's like have everything in writing. Yeah, like documented. Because mm-hmm. the thing is that just because another realtor says that they're going to do this, when it comes down to it, they're not going to do it if it's not written in paper. Yeah, no, true. So, and then you're the one that is on the hook for it because it's actually your client that you're representing. And just because this person said that they were going to do this and they didn't fulfill, then mm-hmm. it's like um, you're the one that has to deal with it, right? So, mm-hmm. you, you know, one thing that I have had to learn um, is how not to. I don't want to say stereotype, but or like put a blanket over all people, right? Like, um, we've been burned by a lot of guys who so uh, curbing a car means selling or flipping cars, but just out of your home. Mm-hmm. So, say for example, if I'm curbing cars, I'm buying a used Honda Civic on Kijiji. I'll fix it up, polish it up, da 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 da, sell it for a hundred bucks extra. Mm-hmm. Like you know, that's called curbing, right? So a lot of guys curb cars and it'll bring it to a detail shop to get a polish and. Uh, an interior detail done so then they could post it so we had a lot of guys that were curbing cars or they had you know small mom and pop um, used car dealerships right Mm -hmm. so we were doing their detailing blah 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 blah, and it was always cod so they would pick up the car they would pay for it pick up the car pay for it then eventually they're like you know peter could we do like net 30 or you know net 60 or whatever i'm like okay you know what things have been good sure right and then surely enough, that's when they bite us, yeah, right? Yeah. So we did one, um, the first time I gave him net 30 and we did about four cars, gave him the invoice at the end of the month. And he's like, no, 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 Peter, I'm not paying for any of this. I'm like, excuse me? He's like, yeah, that one for $400? No, it was only worth about 100 And he never did that before. Yeah. But as soon as we did net 30, that's what happened. Yeah. Yeah. So long story short, um, that one, he actually, he ended up paying nothing. Oh, oh well. yeah, yeah, you just lost them. Just right? lost it, yeah. right? And so now when a mom and pop shop comes in and says, hey, Peter, da, 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 we, we'd like to use you as our, our detailer and all this stuff, it is so hard not to stereotype them mm-hmm. in that sense. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it is what it is, right? Yeah. You, you got to learn from those, right? Yeah, yeah, it, it's, yeah. It's, it's a very, very tough line. Because like I said, you, you want to give people the benefit of the doubt. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you know, and I've learned this too, that, you know, when they say it's not personal, it's business. Mm-hmm. I'm really learning that. <laughs> it's, it's tough, man. It, yeah. It's not, it's not easy to, or, yeah, it's not easy to not take it personally. Mm-hmm. Right. Because that's the thing when, when they, they say business is personal. <laughs> they say, yeah, no, and it is. I, I really don't know how, like, but I'm learning yeah. hopefully to yeah. learn how to separate it. But that was the thing when that guy screwed us over, how do you not take it personally? Mm-hmm. Right. It really to him. All he sees is dollars, ones, and zeros. Mm-hmm. But to me, I see he's spitting in my face. Yeah. yeah. Right? So that's that was the hard part. And I'm still learning how to deal with that. I've definitely gotten a lot better at it. 
um, when customers come in, you know, they're haggling or bargaining or whatever. I don't take it personally. Mm-hmm. It's just it's a numbers thing, right? Mm-hmm. So that's fine. Um, but yeah, when dealerships or you know whenever uh, customers start saying you, 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 it hurts a little bit, right? Mm-hmm. What was the worst car that you had to deal with? Oh, that minivan. Oh, by yeah. far, <laughs> by far. Uh, oh, we had one. Um, we we didn't take it in, but the the customer called and he said um, he ran over a skunk. <laughs> And he was like, I need to get the odor out. And I just immediately said, no, I didn't even entertain it. Because the thing is, what happens if we bring that vehicle into the shop and then the smell of the skunk is covered in the shop? Yeah. I don't know how to air it out. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, like they say it's that that's, that odor is just impossible to get out. Mm-hmm. So like, hey, no, no, we're not taking this, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was a scary one. Another one. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, just uh, I, I, you know, I rather not talk about it because they're just disgusting. And uh, yeah, yeah. But like, you know, like I, I, it comes to the territory. It doesn't bother me so much now, just because the thing is, it is what it is, right? Like you're gonna get these kind of cars. It's just learning how to price them out accordingly. Yeah. And and kind of like uh, I wanted to touch on this earlier was, um, because I never worked in a detail shop, I didn't know how to charge accordingly. Right, like, do we do this by hour? Do we do this at a flat rate? Um, do we do it at a flat rate per service? So even that, to this day, I'm still trying to learn. I mean, I have a very much better grasp around it, and I have a good framework around it. Um, but yeah, no, it, it's it's hard to price those things out, right? Mm-hmm. Um, for me, though, at the same time, I try not to undercut the industry either, because the thing is, if we start undercutting another shop, then they start they start undercutting us. Next thing you know, our margins are slim. And they're next to nothing, right? Mm-hmm. So I rather try to stay competitive, but at the same time, stay in line with industry standards, if you will, right? Like, I'll, I'll give you guys a quick horror story. Um, in Edmonton, uh, so paint protection film, commonly known as 3M. Uh, 3M is a company, it's a type of film, but it's not a verb. But yet, people use it as a verb. <laughs> um, so in Edmonton, there was a group of PPF installers that were doing really well, and they had like a monopoly over it. So they were doing well, all this fun jazz. Then there was like internal problems. It was a family. So part of the family split off, started doing their own installs, and then the other family did their own installs. Next thing you know, they start undercutting each other so bad. Like to give you an idea, a full front clip, I charge retail $1,500, mm-hmm. right? In, in At my shop. In Edmonton, you can get a full front clip without haggling for $900. Crazy. And that's because of that one family. Mm-hmm. They destroyed the market in Edmonton. So even like the Expel rep, which is the brand that we use, the rep for 3M, they've said everybody knows about this Edmonton story. So they're all like, we need we need to make sure that this doesn't happen in Calgary or any other city, right? Mm-hmm. So it's just one of those funny stories that you hear about. And you're like, holy crap, that that can actually happen, right? Yeah, so, it's like a lose lose. It really is, yeah. right? And and. I guess, yeah, the only person that wins is the customer, right? But the thing is, if both businesses aren't making money... Yeah, they're both going to shut down. Exactly, right? Yeah, yeah. So then the customer's out of, out of, out of it anyways. So, yeah. And, you know, um, another thing I'm learning too is, like, you know, customers would call in... And you have to compare apples to apples, right? Mm-hmm. So customers would call in and say, well, you know, Peter, um, there's this guy in Kijiji that will do the polish for 100 bucks, And you can't compare... And that's why we never advertise on Kijiji. Once again, no shot at anybody that advertises on Kijiji or has their services on Kijiji. It's just the people that are on Kijiji are usually looking for a deal. Oh, Call it as it is, right? Mm-hmm. So with us, yeah, absolutely. We can talk about doing a group package or something like that. But at the end of the day, 
our work will always be quality over saving money. For right? sure. Yeah. Um, and our customers understand that and they appreciate that. And that's why they come to us. Right. If you're looking for a deal or if you're looking for, um, you know, excuse my English, but a half-assed job, then yeah, maybe you might be your option, right? Mm-hmm. Um, you, another, get, you get what you pay for. Too. Oh, 100%, yeah. 100%. And same thing in real estate, right? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, I could go to a, a realtor that does volume, but get that horrible, un, unpersonable uh, service. Or I can go to someone that specializes a little bit more like you guys, where I know that I can contact and, you know, reach out. Oh, I want to ask you guys this. <laughs> so <laughs> with me, with Instagram, Facebook and online emails and all that fun jazz, right? Customers, I love you guys, but okay, 8 p.m., you guys will send me a DM. 8.30, you guys will send me an email. 9 o'clock, you guys have some reason to decide to call me when you know the shop closes at 5, right? It's like, you know, I, I understand that with technology, we're so easily accessible, but it stresses me out when the customer expects us to respond at 9 p.m., mm-hmm. I know with you guys being realtors, you guys do have to work on hours and the customers actually understand that, right? How do you draw the line? Dum, dum, dum. Mm-hmm. Right? It's a tough one, you know? I I cut off after a certain time, like especially during dinner time. So do you have a hard... Yeah, I don't even look at my phone. Okay, that's good. So and, and That's then, why you never respond to me at 9 p.m. <laughs> David, what are you wearing? And, and, and then I'll respond again later between like 11 to 12. P.m.? Uh, yeah, to 12 a.m. Oh, okay. Yeah, so 11 p.m. to 12 a.m. And yeah. then what we'll do after that is I'll stop. And everything that is um, after that will be allocated to the next day. Okay. So I have like hard stops on certain things because there's... Um, like you need to make time for personal. Yeah, for sure. Well. So that's where I kind of draw the line. You just have to set hours for yourself. And I think that clients will start to understand that, mm-hmm. um, that they can be, they can get a hold of you in certain times. But yeah. like, cause if you're busy, you're busy. You can't just respond to everything, mm-hmm. but, um, or at least just let them know that, Hey, um, I'll respond to you tomorrow or something. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah that's let them true. Know. Yeah. Jason, I, I think for me, it's, I let it balance out throughout the day. So I'll disconnect and I'll work kind of when I want to work mm-hmm. and respond to people when I want to respond. Mm-hmm. But I have a lot of allocated time for it. Okay. Um, if I'm doing something and I don't want to be on my phone, I won't. Right. But most of the days, I would say you're getting a response from me within that day. Mm-hmm. Um, I just, I, if it's urgent, it'll get settled right away. Yeah, for right? sure. But I would say for me, it's like there, there's a time and place for it. And if I don't want to respond, I just, I won't. Mm-hmm. But I'm usually good to respond that day. Yeah. And the same thing with me, right? Unless it's like 9, 10 p.m. Mm-hmm. Most of the porn stuff is dealt with during the day, yeah. I would say. And that, that, that's what I mean. So like between nine to five, of course, like customer phone, email, whatever, absolutely. If I'm available or if I have that moment, you, you, believe me, I, I am responding. I'm just saying at 8 p.m. when they hit you up on Instagram, then 10 minutes later, they hit you up on the email, then another 15 minutes. And this is all between 8 and 9 p.m. and the first interaction. So it's just like, oh, like, you know, and they'll even say, oh. I think, I think the best way for you to, to deal with that is just be like, hey, I'm just busy for the night. Could, mm-hmm. could we deal with this in the morning? Yeah. 
and clients are usually respectful of your time, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think in this world right now, um, it's so demanding. People demand so much of your time, especially the mm-hmm. younger generation. They want answers now. Yeah. Um, but what I find is like, if you just communicate and be like, hey, I got your message. I'm just busy, but could we sort this out tomorrow morning? Mm-hmm. They're pretty respectful, yeah, I so would say. Right? Set the expectation, right? Yeah, set the sense. expectation with them that you're like the time that you've acknowledged that they've contacted you, mm-hmm. but that you will uh, set some time for them tomorrow. Yeah. So there's one guy, he contacted, he was just sending me a mass amount of messages on a Saturday morning. And then I got back to him Sunday afternoon and then legitimately I was actually um, camping with my family. So I said, oh, you know, I'm so sorry. Uh, I didn't get back to you right away, but I was camping with my family. And that actually triggered him. He was like, oh, Peter, I'm so sorry. He's like, I forgot it was the week. I'm like, oh, and, but you know, but just for him to even acknowledge it was nice. Right? Yeah. I'm like, oh, well, thank you for acknowledging it. But then, um, you know, made me even want to uh, do a little bit extra for him because he was nice. Like, you know but what I mean? But those are the people you do want to work with also. 100%. Right? 100%. <laughs> right? Um, the people that don't respect your time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I yeah. think that's uh, like, those are harder customers, obviously. But yeah. So anyone listening to this? If you go into a business and you're expecting stuff to be done or your guns are blazing, kicking down doors and stuff, you know, for me personally, yes, I, I'll do whatever it takes to make uh, the customer happy or make things right. Mm-hmm. But, you know, for the guy who comes in and is just genuinely nice, I will do something extra above or and beyond. 100%. Because the thing is, what freshest me is, you know, that saying the squeaky uh, wheel always gets degrees. But what what about the what about the guy or girl who is just nice and who doesn't always complain or doesn't have uh, ill intent? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean. So I actually make the effort to look for those people and I say, hey, I'm gonna do this or, or what's it called? Uh, I'll do it and then explain it to them afterwards because I say I don't want you losing faith in humanity or lose like losing this um, desire just to be a good person. Mm-hmm. Like you know what I mean? Keep being who you are. And the universe will pay you back. And hopefully me doing this for you was a little bit of the universe paying you back. Right? Totally. totally. So, Karma. Yeah. Oh, 100%, right? But yeah, there's some evil people in this world. Man. <laughs> Especially in the automotive industry. The scary people. <laughs> Is there any last things you want to say about business? that uh... Business, personal. You know, guys, you, you know, use me as, a, as an example. Um, I think... Just kind of like what the guys were saying, everybody knows Peter as the happy-go-lucky guy, but believe me, I have my bad days, right? Um, my only ask is if you guys are going through something, please, please get help. Talk to somebody. Um, there's a lot of good resources that are out there for you. It's just a matter of fact that you're trying to find it. Um, and that was me. I didn't know where to start. But I started at the hospital, right? And learned what was available to me. Then I spoke to professionals and it's an ongoing thing. But I can honestly say I'm getting better at it. Um, you know, nothing in life that's worth it is easy. But it's so gratifying when you can do it yourself and to say that you did it the right way. And you did it without hurting anybody. You did it without cheating anybody. Um I go to bed every night knowing that I can sleep without any guilt over my head or wondering if this is going to come back and bite me in the butt, right? Like, and that's, it's, it's such a satisfying feeling, um, having that. And, you know, and secondly, 
just work hard, have a good work ethic. Nothing. I, I know we're all used to having things so quickly now because of Google, but you know, you got to stay the course, enjoy the process, um, and count your blessings, you know, um, to all my friends and family that I may not see all the time, just know that it's because I'm, I'm trying to make this thing work. Um, and the people who genuinely do love me and care about me know that, um, yeah. And you know, it's, and I'm sure you guys can relate. There's some people who just, they don't get why we work so hard or why we work the hours that we do. But it's because we we want to grow our business. We want this thing to succeed. And unfortunately, there's sacrifices that have to come with that, right? Like, um, I look at Kobe Bryant. Kobe Bryant, um, when you physically look at him, there is, he has no God-given talent, really, right? 6'7", six, 6'6", six, six, decent size, right? But like, you know, he's not like, he's not ripped like LeBron James. Like he has this like man-child physique. But because of hard work, he's probably what? arguably one of the one, two, three greatest basketball players of all time. And that's just through work ethic, right? We all know how sickening his work ethic is, but that's the thing. Because he worked hard at it, he is who he is. You get someone like LeBron James who has God-given talent. I mean, he has great work ethic, don't get me wrong, but could you imagine what Kobe could have done with LeBron's physique and Kobe's work work ethic like it, it's crazy right so i always use that kind of stuff as motivation um play to your strengths my strength is customer service so i really weigh heavy on that side of things right um but yeah you know guys just try to enjoy what you guys find in life that you enjoy doing um you know tell people that you love them because tomorrow's not promised so um yeah don't just uh life is beautiful so just enjoy as much as you can and guys, yeah, I really, really do appreciate you guys having me on here. This is, this is honestly, this is like a great psychology session. So. No, that was awesome. That was really well put. Yeah. I really like that. Yeah. Where can what, we find you? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So um, was it, you guys can find us on Instagram at Precision Auto Films, or Precision underscore Auto underscore Films. <laughs> um, and as well, uh, yeah, but our Instagram is definitely the best way to get a hold of us. Uh we're constantly uh, showing stories, show, showing our work on there as well. So if you guys want to learn some tips, um, you guys want to see what we do, please give us a follow on Instagram. And uh, yeah, hopefully we'll eventually see you guys in person or see your cars. That'd be great. What's the physical location of the shop? Yeah, so we're just off of McLeod and 42nd, um, just by the Holiday Inn there. Um, but yeah, McLeod and 42nd, physical address is 4509 First Street, Southeast. Um, we are commercially insured for pickup and drop off. So if getting to us is a difficulty, just give us a shout and let us know. Uh, like I said, as soon as we hop inside the vehicle, it's the company insurance that protects the vehicle. And, um, I'm an old man driver now, so you guys don't have to worry about me pushing too hard on the car or anything. (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah. And yeah, I, I love what I do guys. So hopefully you guys can see that in the work and we'll get to see you guys in person one day. Thank you for listening to behind the business podcast. Remember, you can find us on all social media outlets and reach out to us if you have any questions. And remember, everybody, enjoy their life. Don't wait. Just do it.